Grain to Glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I am Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. It sure is. I'm just, ah, uh, oh man, good times. Uh, before, <laughs> all right, before we get too deep here, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot of support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link from our homepage or use blind-ninja-studios at checkout and join today. Also, I want to give a big shout out to our uh, patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Hoffman Barrel Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Stinson, Phil Feldman, and Tyler Romanski. If, you'd like to be a, if you would like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. Brian, what have you been up to beer-related lately, my friend? <laughs> Ooh-wee. Um, more, more than I, you know, usually remember, I guess I'm always like, Oh, not much, but, um, I actually went to my, one of my favorite new places when I started working, uh, full-time in Eau Claire, um, I discovered a place called third and vine and third and vine has, over 150 beers in their cooler and six rotating tap lines. And they've got, um, you know, a small food menu, but like they kind of specialize in those like charcuterie boards, meat and cheese. Um, they also have a good selection of ciders um, and that uh, no meads um, or any of that. Uh, Cause I think they just have a beer license uh, or maybe they can do meads. Anywho, whatever. Uh, so my lady's happy when we go there because she can get her her ciders. But um, this guy pulls in like he will drive places to pull beers in. So he it's not that far from where we are in Wisconsin to go to Michigan. Um, so he's pulling in some some things from Decorah, Iowa, uh, Ohio, Michigan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and one of the beer companies that he's pulling in is out of Madison, Wisconsin, called Working Draft. And I, I think that Working Draft is making some of the best beers that I think I've ever had, and, which is oh, very wow. bold to say, obviously. Um, and then, um, yeah, just some amazing beers. And then I, I did actually end up having a Blackstack beer there. Um, not Not the one that we tried. I'll have to Google it. And I should have had this prepared, so I'm sorry about that. But I think this this beer bar is great. Um, and I mostly just raid their uh, can and bottle cooler when I'm there. Because, like I said, this guy will drive very far away to to have some beers awesome. to um, put in his cooler. So. Very cool. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah. So uh, we had a, uh, a work thing um, where, like, everybody flew in and we, like, we went to the office and it was a whole thing. Um, and we went to, uh, well, at the end I was like, hey, let's go grab a beer somewhere. And we're in Oakdale, which is close to St. Paul. So we went out to Gambit because uh, that's, uh, that's been like my go-to crowd pleaser right now is Gambit Brewing. Nice. Uh, run by our friend, our friends who formerly did uh, Bobtown. 
I think that that should be one of our, you and I, <laughs> Brian and Casey go to the city's trips. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be a good one. Uh, they're doing uh, like craft seltzers, um, both uh, NA and uh, alcoholic, which has been uh, good for like the non beer drinking people. Nice. Um, and they like, do, That's like these always... super like craft uh, yeah. like, flavorings and stuff. But yeah. Always tough to um, do that as just a beer place, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. And they have pizzas now, and they're solid, and yeah, it's... Is it what sort of pizzas? Is it like a, a like one of those pizza, those brick oven things, or like... No, no, not, not quite like that. It's, um, uh, man, almost like par-baked crust into a pizza oven type of deal, uh, but like okay. all like... Uh, you know, it's it's Mike, so he's, like, kind of going crazy with the flavorings and stuff. And they have a hot honey oh, pizza yeah. that's just to die for. They have the, the, like, well, the place that he used to own, Bobtown, very definitely had the fat kid food. Which... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that uh, was it, the, the Wisconsin burger that had the peanut butter and stuff on it was just so good. Um, and then besides that, uh, I was at Junior's yesterday. Oh, yeah, that's right. I had a beer from a brewery that I won't name, but uh, I got like a really interesting off flavor. Yeah, where it was like it was like burnt plastic or burnt electrical tape just like right on the back end. And it was just yeah. it was just rough, which we uh, we we talked back and forth and we decided the culprit must be uh, stressed yeast. I can almost that. definitely tell you that uh, the the culprit is most almost certainly the yeast. Um, your words were um, burnt electrical tape, mm -hmm. and I said it could be a couple things. It could be stressed yeast, could be a lower pitch rate, or could be old yeast. But I mean, you know, old is stressed, so. Um, you know, if, if the brewery isn't doing a cell count, which isn't always possible, believe me, uh, that's a lot of work to do for each time that you're repitching. And a lot of times it's good enough to take a look at the yeast. Uh, you take your, your very sanitized gloved finger and you can you can dip your finger in and kind of taste the yeast, give it a smell. Um, and if it smells good, it looks good and, you're, and it weighs 25 pounds or whatever you know, uh, the normal pitch rate is weighing out to be that's just repitch. Um, doing a cell count every single time is is both tedious and also time consuming. Um, and most places don't really have the equipment. And I don't think it's necessary. I just, if it's looking bad, add more. Yep. And most brewers so. can't count. So. <laughs> most brewers are too too busy with other, with other shit. So, yeah, I mean, or another thing it could be that I kind of thought was chlorinated water interacting with the yeast or the subpar yeast causing a chlorophenol. Um, very, very much could be possible, but I don't think that is likely the culprit. I mean, that, I, that could also be like if their filter's bad or... Something like that, or and it's or it needs to be changed, and it's allowing more uh, chlorine to pass through. That could be, depending on what mm. kind of filtration system they're using. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, without revealing anything 
we can't really talk a whole lot about like what the possible water source might be and what they might be doing to treat the water. But I will say that um, at brewery I worked for was using 30% RO okay. uh, mixed in to city. So um, there are some, some pretty bad water situations out there from uh, in my experience. Um, and I do believe we were talking about Bobtown and that's one of the reasons why Bobtown is not a, a thing anymore is because of the water. Um, the water quality and the cost involved. Um, unfortunately. So yeah, that's just how she goes. <clears throat> oh yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's get into our commercial calibration, uh, this week. Uh, so this is, uh, continuing our, uh, mini series on gas station beers. <laughs> That's right. We have another one from St. Louis, uh, Missouri. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, Saint, uh, a couple of St. Louis native beers that we've done back to back. Like uh, like Black Belt patron Devin Simpson. Um, <laughs> I hope he's listening. <laughs> I hope so, too. Uh, this is Bud Light. Uh, currently in the news for the controversial thing of uh, marketing. Yeah, yeah, they they did some marketing and people are mad. Which oh, boy, which, people will get mad about anything, <laughs> right? But yeah, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna try this. And oh, man, uh, so last time I had this, last time I had Bud Light, was at the Anheuser Busch Brewery when I don't they boldface lied to me. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll rehash this story here. Let me let me pour this and then I'll tell that story real quick. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna get this in the glass. It's nice, beautiful pour there. All right, uh, oh, got some head on there. All right, so I went to the <laughs> we went to the Anheuser Busch uh, brewery, uh, my dad and I, and this was uh, two years ago, and. We're going through, and they're like, yeah, so we brew one beer to, uh, like, one 9% beer, and then uh, that's the base for both Bud, Budweiser and Bud Light. And somebody on the tour asked, well, how do they get it to, uh, like, the, the 4% or, like, the 5% for either one? And they're like, oh, well, the, uh, the brewers have a wand that they run through it that pulls out a certain amount of alcohol. And I'm just, in my head, I'm like, no, no, no. They dilute it. They put water into it. I was going to jokingly say a wand, but <laughs> I wanted to let this play out because I didn't quite remember what they said. Yeah, they said it was a wand. It was a magic alcohol wand. And then, obviously, there was the follow-up question. Well, what do they do with the excess alcohol? And they're <laughs> like, oh, well, they sell it to local distilleries. Doesn't, no, just no. <laughs> just, just lies. Just so many lies. But we got to see some pretty horses, so that was nice, I suppose. They really, they had the horses there. See, as many times as I've been to St. Louis, I haven't, you know, seen this brewery yet. And maybe, maybe when I go down in, in June to visit Devin, maybe I'll go. Yeah, it's, uh, 
it's an experience. Um, the people on our tour were really excited um, when we you get into like the the packaging facility, and they have like you walk in and they have like this big display of all their brands, and they were like really excited to point out their favorite brands that are uh, Anheuser Busch. And so that was kind Look, of Mom. pretty much that. I mean, it was it was entertaining. We were like chatting with people and stuff, and it was it was a good time. But it, it also costs. It's like a thirty dollar tour. That's I but, guess I didn't. I don't know if I knew that. I don't. Maybe I'll avoid that then. But you do get a fresh canned Bud Light that they rip out of just a twelve pack and hand to you, um, and then. You also uh, you also get a pour of something. I think I ended up having Shock Top <laughs> or Big okay. Wave. It was one of those. Big two. Wave. I drink Big Wave a fair amount. I do actually. too. It's a really good beer. It's a pretty good go to. Yeah, I just I wasn't gonna ha- I wasn't gonna waste it on a Bud Light. No, because we did we did get a little like sample pour of Bud Light. And my dad and I both looked at each other and we're like, oh. So I'm excited to try it again and see if that holds for me. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Pours uh, initially had a big, white, frothy head. Now it has uh, dissipated very quickly. Uh, Crystal clear. um, Getting in front of the camera there. I almost, I think it might be clearer than Bush. Or less distortion in the glass. Get right out of town. (laughs) <laughs> just saying, just saying. That's what I'm seeing here. I get a lot more corn in the aroma. There's absolutely more corn, yes. Mm, very sweet. Like sweeter and less dry. Um, yeah, it almost sits, for lack of a better word, heavy on the tongue. Like right on the back, it just kind of like plops. More body, but not as not as sweet. Maybe I think this might have more corn in it than bush light. Don't you think? Or yeah, it definitely does. And maybe it, maybe it uses maybe it uses cereal instead of rice. Cracker, some corn. Honestly, I really hesitate to say this too, but there's almost like a little bit of a musty smell. I think I can see what you're saying. I don't know if I. Agree. I don't know. I'm I'm sniffing it <laughs> through the hole in a in a you know beer can. So mm-hmm. I like because sh- there are no glasses in this house. Whoops! I should have just gotten a goddamn glass. Right. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. It finishes, it, it, like, it leaves my tongue dry. Like, it leaves my mouth very dry on the Yeah, this is certainly another beer-flavored beer. Um, there's no, no doubt about that. Um, hmm. I don't know. And I was saying, there's thinking... I can't remember the last time I had this because I don't think I've ever been in a situation where it's like, well, the only thing is Bud Light. 
I just yeah. don't know if I've ever been in that situation. Or it's not usually rather, a situation that happens. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not my favorite beer. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I like. Uh, I think I enjoyed the uh, the bush a little bit more. I'll be damned. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nowhere. let's talk about important things now. Yes. We're gonna dive into uh, brewing and pH. We've touched on pH a bunch of different times. Uh, this is I, I, but I kind of wanted to touch on it again just because it's been on my mind. And I was reading, uh, so I was reading a brew philosophy article on post fermentation uh, pH manipulation. Okay. Um and uh and like bringing out hops that way. Um, and so I was like, well, let's let's talk about it through the, the entire process. So brewing and pH, um, different stages uh, of the of the brewing process, mash, post boil, post fermentation. We care about the pH, but why, Brian? Why do we care about mash pH at all? And what should it be? Well, so mash pH should be five point two to five point six. So there are exceptions. Uh, well, there really aren't, aren't exceptions to that because this this is our mash. What's happening is we're we're creating enzymes, we're creating nature's catalysts, um, and this activity is going to result in the sugars getting turned into starch. Or sorry, starch is getting turned into sugars. Jeez, all this Bud Light's going to my head. Um, turned to sugars, and we require a, a, an an amount of efficiency here, and so. The correct mash pH will increase the enzyme activity, results in better mash efficiency, and also possibly a clearer wort because, in my opinion, unless we're trying to do the opposite, we're trying to have the clearest wort possible. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. We always want clear wort. Clear wort <laughs> is good. But yeah, at its base, the pH value of any solution is it, the way of expressing like acidity or alkalinity. And in this case, if we're going below seven, which is neutral, then we are more acidic. Uh, Andy, you, uh, you, you're saying you just started paying attention to pH. Have you noticed a, um, a change in your beer since you started uh, paying attention? We'll revisit that uh when you respond um yeah so that's that's the mash uh post boil why do we care there uh so this this has more to do with um hop character extracted um during the boil um and then hot break is is the other um piece to why we you know want to pay attention to this so when most of the time when we're talking about ph and brewing we do think about we're thinking about mash ph but um boil ph should be around five five point two helps to coagulate proteins um and then our hot break is that light colored those flakes and like the light color the stuff that forms on the top of the kettle during the boil is this coagulated protein okay so above five pH, the amount of protein is pretty con constant, but the break material looks a little bit different. 
And so when you do start going up to 5.2, it'll be a little bit fluffier. Um, and sometimes it'll be more globby. And we have done an episode on hot break and skimming. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't remember when or what. Uh, I mean, it was a long time ago. We've it was like, a very long. Time we, we've ago. been doing this uh, this show for what eight nine years now. So and I've been doing it for five, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, a few tenths of a point of pH. It's gonna make your work just look like a little bit cloudy, so you can kind of see. It's kind of crazy kinda... how how small of a difference, or, or how how a small change in pH can make a large difference in the clarity of the wart. Yeah, because you can see that the bracket here is is point two, so a tenth of that is, of one is makes a big difference. Um, color pickup. Uh, we can pick up a little bit more color this way if we're not doing it right. Um, so like also the way that the grain was malted can factor into how these chemical reactions work too. So these same reactions between calcium and phosphates, these are what help us kind of establish the correct pH. So, I guess this the little anecdote I was gonna tell was I I didn't know anything about pH correction until probably like my second big brewing job. And there's a guy named Dennis who has been a professional brewer for probably going on fifteen years and he he was able to take a look at what the pH of the wort was and was able to just kind of eyeball calcium chloride um, or calcium sulfate and was able to just dump it in and adjust. That's insane. Um, yeah, I, it's just it's the feel of it. It's the look of it. And when you brew beer every single day, then, you know, it really kind of becomes a little bit more clear. So with your you can really tell with the break material, especially if you're brewing the same beer over and over again. It kind of throws it off if you're brewing different beers all the time, which honestly is kind of the spice of life for me. So uh, pay attention to what the hot break looks like. Um, if it doesn't improve after the first edition, add a little bit more. Um, you, you can use uh, phosphoric acid. You can use lactic acid. Um, just be careful with last la- lactic acid. I believe it's one milliliter per gallon is kind of the threshold. So I don't, I think we always had some lactic acid on hand, but I don't think we ever used it. It was just like phosphoric um, that we were adding to get to somewhere between five. If I remember correctly, correctly, it was like 5.1 was kind of always what what we were. uh And you do in the notes here, not that the people can see this, but post boil, this is you should be working on this during yes. during the boil. And so I would say maybe about 30 minutes left in the boil, start fiddling around with this. And really that final 15 minutes is probably the most crucial point um, to get good a good 15 solid minutes. And, you know, you're adding hops along this whole way. I mean, you should really be keeping your head in the game and check checking the pH along the way anyway. So no beers till cold side. Nobody is so cold side. Yep. You're almost there. So, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
that's uh, that's huge. Um, and then post fermentation, uh, dry hopping, especially if you're doing big dry hoppings, this is this is where that pH uh, is going to change a lot uh, because dry hopping can cause the pH of the beer to increase, so acidifying uh, post fermentation back into that uh, 5.0 to 5.2 range, uh, can cause a more bright hoppy flavor. Um, instead of like, and as homebrewers, like I think we've all done the beer where like we dry hopped a ton, and then we we pulled it out, and it just wasn't a bright hoppy beer. It was just kind of it was good, but it was flat. Like, you were expecting something and just kind of, like, like just, like, a almost not quite sad trombone, but just off-key trombone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, acidifying uh, the beer at that point will kind of brighten it up and just bring that back into where you want it. And just make it pop a little bit. Um, and we, we talked a little bit about when to modify, um, post boil or, uh, during the boil, uh, Brian said about 30 minutes in, start, start measuring and doing that. Uh, in, when you're testing the pH of the mash, when do you want to do that, Brian? And adjusting there. Oh, uh, mash? Yeah. Oh, nearly pretty much right away. So basically as soon as you get everything mashed in, you're doughed in, Yep, as soon as you feel like everything's about ready yeah. to rest. About 10, 15 um, minutes like, after you yep. start pouring grains in, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so the, the big thing when you're talking about uh, this is... Oh, uh, sorry, I'm going to back up a little bit to Andy's uh, interjection here. Uh, I asked him... It, like if he's noticed any difference since he started paying attention to pH. He said, not really. The grain alone uh, with my soft water seems to hit about that 5.3 in the mash. Um, he has cool. lactic acid on hand, but hasn't had to use it. Uh, uh, based on Brewfather calculations, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then, is it worth uh, highlighting that uh, temperature of the sample affects the analysis? Absolutely, and we're going to talk about that. That leads perfectly into what we're going to talk about now, which is how do we measure the pH? There's two meter. There, well, yeah. So there, there's 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 two main ways of doing it. One is a digital pH meter, um, and the other one is pH test strips, like you used in chemistry ca- class, or if you have a pool, like what you use to test like chemical like chemical balancing in your pool. Um, they're just little paper strips with a little, like, pH um, test thingy on them. And, like, you dip it in, you look at it, and you try to, like, match it with the color. They're super cheap. Not the most reliable things in the world. Um, humidity will affect them. The temperature of your war- of your sample will affect them. Um, being colorblind will affect them. Um, because you can't see the color. Uh, it's and you're and you're just kind of guessing. Like it'll get you in the ballpark. It's better than nothing. Um, a good digital uh pH meter will give you a really good uh like reading as long as it's properly calibrated and you're storing it with the proper buffer solutions and doing all of the these other steps with the pH oh, meter. Yeah, that. 
buffer solution tends to get mighty crusty. It's just like with everything else, you know, you really got to kind of take care of your equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't brew a ton, I don't know, be careful with how you're storing and where you're storing your pH meter. Um, like I said, that buffer solution will get mighty crusty if it goes rogue. You can also like store it in uh, distilled and then recalibrate it before you use it. It's true. Um, which wouldn't be the worst. Like if you're going to go long, long times between using it, not the worst way to go. Um, and then make sure you're cleaning it after dipping it in wort because the sugar wants to do things. Um, and then yeah, read read all the instructions every time you get a every time you get a new tool. Read the instructions. Figure out like what temperature it's calibrated for, and like what um, what solutions you need to test it with. Because usually it'll have a base and an acid that you need to use for calibration and a certain pH of buffer solution that you need to store it in. This is definitely a, the more money you spend on it, the better. <laughs> oh, absolutely! It's uh, it's it's not a hydrometer situation. This is mm. uh, this is a very um, sensitive piece of uh, scientific equipment. That said, I have a like a fifty dollar pH meter that I've abused, and it works pretty okay. Nice. <laughs> it's better than strips. <laughs> It probably needs to be replaced at this point, but. All right. So when we're talking about adjusting the pH, um, what, what is, or what, what are the main ways that we can, we, we've talked about acid, but there's another way to adjust the mash that I want to make sure we touch on. Yeah. Um, calcium sulfate, calcium chloride. Yep. And also um, uh, acidic malt. Yeah, I mean that's that's another another thing to think of. Um, I mean, yeah. So adding uh, one or two teaspoons of either calcium sulfate or calcium chloride will help you solve some of the pH adjustment problems. So to lower it, you could add calcium ions like gypsum like i said calcium sulfate or a calcium chloride in a like a five gallon 19 liter batch like i said one or two teaspoons um organic acids work uh to reiterate lactic and phosphorus can be added directly uh adding sour malt um a lot of breweries just automatically add a quarter bag a half a bag you guys were doing that at hop for a while weren't you I would imagine they probably still are. I okay. I don't think I've ever brewed professionally without God, it, it was like 14 pounds, 25 pounds. It was a quarter, like I said, a quarter to a half of a bag always. Just throw it in there. That'll get you to where you need to be most of the time, and then you will need to check it. So we're talking about up to 5% of the grist is a natural way to add lactic acid to the mash. Um, again, this is where checking your water and, and having a pH meter comes into play. Yeah. Um, so the water has a lot of carbonates. So that's what's keeping 
um, your pH level too high, but the carbonate level can be reduced by boiling more, like pre-boiling the water too is another hack. Um, it's usually easier to <clears throat> just treat that water with, with acid to neutralize the carbonates, or you can dilute it with distilled um, or RO. For that Andy matter. Andy says if you hate yourself enough, you could do a step mash with an acid rest. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andy, you know if uh, that's that's where you might end up having a uh, what you call a cock up. <laughs> It'd be the 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 fast track to cock upsville. <laughs> Why is that the fast track to cock upsville, Brian? I don't know. Because you're adding more you complexity start doing mash. Shit that's out of the ordinary. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's some, I don't know, some special cases where if you're using very soft water and making a dark beer, the pH might be too low. Um, and you're going to get a really flabby, flat beer um, in these cases. So you can add the chalk, the calcium carbonate. You could add baking soda. That'll help too. Yeah. I think, uh, and like, just just one thing before before we wrap up here that I really want to reiterate is invest in some kind of pH meter. Um, it's it's, you, it's just yeah, a lot easier. Won't re- and any of the online calculators that you use are wonky. I I don't you, think I've run into a pH calculator that's been accurate. Not that I want to push people in this direction, but like I think you potentially could pay less attention to treating your water if you had a pH meter because then you could treat everything else besides the water. I don't know. It's, well, to- it's 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 another piece of the puzzle, right? We've always said brewing is uh, like you can get as nitty gritty as you want. Um, Truly. And once once you start dealing with things like water chemistry, pH is right there with it. You have to – like th- those two things go hand in hand. The reason we're messing with the water chemistry is – part of it is because of the pH. Like we need to – like we, we need to get in there and just start, start messing with those things. And it's going to be a trial error thing. Uh, we had we had one. Um, I was brewing with my buddy Steve, and we put the numbers like we we took we took a a pH reading. We put everything into uh, Beersmith, and it said okay, add this much lactic acid to to change it. And we're like that seems like a lot of lactic acid. And we double checked our numbers, and it said add this much. And we're like okay, and then we weigh undershot the ph and we're like and you, brewed a, you brewed a sour well it wasn't quite that bad it was just like it's in the mash so we we ended up adding um uh what did we add in we added something basic it was uh what well, uh, yeah so it'd be like um uh sodium bicarbonate right mm-hmm. so we added that baking in to, soda. baking soda to bring it to bring it back up to where we where we needed it and that we just we added up just a little bit by little bit by little bit and then we we got it back to where we needed, and the beer turned out fine. But the calculator threw us in, like, and we should have used our common sense and be like, "That seems like too much acid." Yeah, we should be careful. And then add, like, if it seems like too much, add half and then check it again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
And it's it's just it's things that come with experience. I don't know if there's any way for us to be like to to give you um, a good rule of thumb because it everybody's system's different, everybody's water's different. Um, where like the batch of grain that you get is going to a like affect your um, your pH in a different way. Indeed, it's it's a constantly moving target. Yeah, you can put more in, but you can't take it out. I mean, you you can, but you have to put other stuff in. Chemistry. Well, I think dumb. we I think we proved the last time you and I the last time you and I brewed together. I I, I feel like we proved you you can take it out. <laughs> I still can't believe that beer turned out drinkable. That was. Uh, I mean, I guess we've we've said. <laughs> no matter what you do, you can always end up with a beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, anything, any last things you want to say about pH before we wrap up here? No, not at all. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hit the outro here. All right, if you guys have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnewsstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewsstudios. You can follow us on Instagram at blindninjastudios. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.